Like, the, the thing is, because we know for a certain fact that, that I thought, I thought, first off, I thought my mandatory came around pretty quickly. But I was, I was, took it, I was fine, alright, fine, I'll take it on the skin, whatever. I've got a fight soon, I've got a fight soon, no worries. People like Joe Joyce and that, when he had his, he had his for months. He had his for about 18 months, there's no question. I get mine in about three or four. So, that was suspicious. But we, we found out in the end that 258, uh, Fraser themselves, them guys together, they lobbied the board, they, they put the thing to the board specifically to say, hey, we want a mandate toward Lee vs. Clark. The board agreed, fair enough, done, put it together, we get all the way here to this point of all the build-up of everyone saying, yes, we're going to do it, we're going to be this, we're going to be that, and then next thing you know, not even, not even days before, hours before they pull out. They make, they make zero sense. Hey, and welcome back Whew, to the number one podcast in the sport where it's slowly unraveling for Sky. It's slowly unraveling for Sky. I can't really get to the bottom of the hows and the whys and the whats, but it's slowly unraveling for Sky. Before we jump into that, uh, can I just nudge everyone to have a, a listen to the episode I did with Martin and Andy, like our New Age reunion, which I always think is it's a different flavor to what I normally do, and probably a different flavor to what they normally do, but when we come together like Voltron, you know, special things will always happen. I think that's what happens when you get three genuine friends around microphones talking about stuff that they're passionate about. Now, in advance, apologies for the audio quality, just for context, it's really, really hard to to sync three different outputs up. So if you look at me, I speak into a, what's this, an AKG P220, not an amazing mic, so it's not a Sony C800, which would cost 11 grand. Um, but it's, it's, it's reasonable enough, and what it does is it gives me a, a full signal, so there's no compression. And that means that I can edit it any way I want. So if I want the sound to be a bit warmer, I can do that. If I want it to be a bit punchier for people who use, you know, Bluetooth headphones or if you're out running and sometimes you need it to, to hit a little bit harder, I can do that too. When you're recording from a phone, so there are two stages, right? So the phone will compress the signal because the phone companies don't want to send tons and tons of data. So they filter out stuff they don't believe is necessary. So a lot of the richness in the audio signal goes. And then it's compressed again once you start recording into whatever hardware you're using. It, there's a, another sort of compression process which wants to remove unnecessary signaling too. So you end up with, with completely different sounds and trying to harmonize those is difficult. Now, could I have recorded as a multi-track? Yes. Would have been a nightmare trying to manage that though. So that's something I might have to up my production skills in order to, to be able to do that successfully. But I'm going to do an episode today that I never thought I'd do because I had such high hopes when, when Sky announced what their approach was. I had, yes, I had reservations about the stable to an extent, but I was like, okay, I can kind of see what they could be doing here. But when I hear that, well, so, so we, we heard two things in the space of 24 hours. So the first thing we heard was Fraser Clark was going to fight Harry Matthews in June. So, so we kind of knew what was coming, but there was still hope that the purse bid would go ahead and maybe we could 
you know, Harry Matthews or Harry Armstrong, sorry, would be a warm-up for something later in the summer. So to hear that the promoter Ben Shalom boxer and boxer have pulled out of the proposed purse bids for Wednesday, I think it's May 10th. Uh, what do you say to that apart from if Sky aren't willing to bid for that as a British title fight, if Sky aren't willing to bid for Fabio Wardley versus versus Fraser Clark, I'm almost like, well, what are you willing to bid for? Like, what is this, number one? And number two, what was the point in signing Fraser Clark then? Because when he was signed, we were talking about, it's amazing that we've got all these Olympians and this, that, and the third. And now all of a sudden, now, now it comes time for an Olympian to do Olympian things. And it's all gone quiet. So for context, Harry Armstrong is the guy that Jamie Shakiva fought, not in his last fight, but the fight before that. Fought in an eight-rounder. Thought Jamie was more than comfortable in that fight. Um, Harry Armstrong's tough by, by all means, but and I don't think Jamie or his team would be upset when I say this. You put Jamie's boxing CV from, from cradle to now, alongside Fraser Clark's CV from cradle to now, they shouldn't be in the same ballpark. They shouldn't be fighting the same opponents right now. And Fraser shouldn't be fighting someone that Jamie's beaten. Now, I like it because I know for a fact that Jamie wants the Fraser Clark fight and he wants it now because he believes he will beat Fraser Clark right now. I also believe he beats Fraser Clark right now. Therein lies the problem. You've got a guy in Fraser Clark who's been part of the upper echelon of British boxing as an amateur for over a decade. Fraser Clark was first in the GB squad in 2010. He was there around the same time as Joshua, but was overlooked for Anthony Joshua in 2012, overlooked for Joe Joyce in 2016. And then he got his chance in 2020, whilst he was in 2021. And I say all of that to say Fraser Clark has been an elite, an international amateur boxer for over a decade. We're, look, we're looking at, like, he may have made his, his England debut in 2009. Jamie Shakiva doesn't have that storied career. He doesn't have an Olympic bronze medalist. He hasn't been sharing a ring with guys like Joshua, guys like Parker. Uh, yeah, he did share with Parker. Guys like Dillian White. He hasn't been sharing the ring with guys like Okoli and Joe Joyce. And I'm, I'm baffled. The, the more you talk about what Fraser Clark has done in the sport, the more you're like, how are you fighting Harry Armstrong? If I'm Harry Armstrong right now, and I'm, I've just had that phone call, and it's like, would you like to fight Fraser Clark? Even before you say yes, like, why am I fighting Fraser Clark? Can I fight a guy like Phil Williams? You, you want me to fight Fraser Clark? And then Harry, Harry Armstrong's probably going, how bad is he that he's fighting me? And so here we are. It's a purse bid. And on one side of the purse bid is an Olympic bronze medalist, a guy who's been in the sport for a, for a decade comfortably, if not longer. And on the other side, you've got a guy who, 10 years ago, wasn't even boxing. Eight years ago, was doing a bit of white collar. The pro thing is recent for Fabio Wardley. Yet here you are, 
supposedly in a purse bid with an Olympic bronze medalist. And it's the Olympic bronze medalist who pulls out, despite all of the noise and the energy that was bubbling beforehand. And we were looking at an an intriguing three-way contest between Fabio Wardley from the unlicensed world, um, super dedicated, but very raw and still quite novice in what he does, but the stuff he does, he does really well. And then another part of that triangle became David Adelaide, who, while not from the white-collar world, is from a very limited amateur background, um, turned pro of glowing recommendations from people in the sport, but he still hasn't got deep roots in the, I mean, in boxing. And then you've got Fraser Clark, who has the deepest roots of the three when it comes to boxing. Pedigree, experience, exposure. He has everything. And somehow he finds himself in this triangle. And he's looking back going, they didn't put Tony Yoko in this kind of triangle. They didn't put Joe Joyce in this kind of triangle. They didn't put Joshua in this kind of triangle. Why are they doing it to me? Why would you do that? Why would you pull out of a purse bid against a guy who 10 years ago didn't really care that much about boxing? Why would you do that? And I mean that across all dimensions, like the the actual boxing side, but the human side too. And I'm going to sympathize with Fraser Clark here because I don't think Fraser's an idiot. So I'd look at Fraser Clark and I'd say, There's a guy who knows boxing inside out. He's seen and heard everything. There's a guy who must back himself. You don't become an Olympic bronze medalist if you don't back yourself. So he's a guy who has no issue fighting Fabio Wardley. And you could tell in his body language, he he had no issue fighting Fabio Wardley. Because he's like, well, if I can't beat Fabio Wardley, why am I doing this? Why don't I just go and become an enforcer, a bouncer? I can do all of that sort of stuff. Why don't I do that? I can work for SAUK, like I did before. So, why would, why would Fraser Clark be afraid of that purse bid? He wouldn't. Right? It's a good payday. Um, that's definitely going to do a purse bid somewhere between 100 and 200 grand. It's an economic show because people will want to see that. It's a British dust up between two guys with good profiles. Um, on one side, you've got Hearn, on the other side, you've got Shalom. It's, it's a proper head to head. Um, but knowing Eddie, he'd probably send Frank Smith because he doesn't want to give another platform the clout. But you still have that kind of head-to-head that we've been looking forward to. So there's intrigue, and people will be interested in it, and it's something you would watch. So I look at it and go, why, why, why has this not happened? Why have they pulled Fraser, yeah, why have they pulled Fraser Clark out? And so here's what I'll suggest. It's not a Ben Shalom thing. I don't believe for one second that it was Ben Shalom's decision to pull the purse bids. I don't. And I'll, I'll give my theory why. And it's, it's a bit of a reach, but instinctively it feels like the right call. Ben's a smart kid. He's, from, he's, from, he's not from money, money, but he's from a family of smart people. I think his old man was a lawyer. He studied law. He's from a solid family. Um, what's his little brother doing? His little brother's got his own business, and I think his little brother graduated from Cambridge. This is a good family, intelligent family. Not a family that, that is prone to hyperbole, not a family that's prone to talking too much, and you see it in how he conducts himself. He doesn't want to talk too much. I'm not saying he's the most savvy operator in the sport because he's still learning, 
But Ben Shalom doesn't talk too much. So when Ben Shalom's telling you, I want to see Fraser Clark versus Fabio Wardley, I think from a Ben Shalom perspective, from a boxer perspective, I think that's what was wanted. I think Ben wanted that fight. I think he wanted it on Sky. And I think he knew that's the fight the fans wanted to see. Because deep down, however you want to slice Ben Shalom up, he's still a boxing fan. And he's still relatively close to the sensibilities of the fans. I know, I know that for certain. So I don't believe Ben would never have gone out in public and said he wants that fight or he's interested in that fight or that fight makes sense. He would not have made positive noises about that fight if he believed it couldn't be made. Um, I remember in the pre-Sky Boxer days, like he had a reputation for not wanting things to go wrong. He was really, really particular about that. And quite right, that, that's a really good quality to have. So he wouldn't be out there you know, even entertaining it. His, his response would have been, we'd like the Wardley fight, but maybe it's not the right time. There'd have been all of that sort of chat. So this makes me think someone else has pulled the strings and said, nah, this fight ain't happening. And that leaves two options. It's either the money men at Sky or it's 258. And it's hard to tell who it is. Because, okay, so let's say, let's just say, let's look at it from a, Fraser Clark's side. Let's say Sky win. Perfect. Home court advantage. This is your homecoming on Sky Sports. This is you going from the guy that does a bit of punditry and fights people that we don't really rate to like, okay, right, now you're a British champion. Kick on, right? It's your it's almost your coronation into this world of professional boxing. So, you know, as Wilder would say, this is where you've been introduced to the heavyweight division. And so that makes perfect sense, right? So now you're looking at it from a Sky perspective. Do you want to pay 200 grand for that Fraser Clark moment? And if you do, well, your question is, where do I get it back? I just have a feeling that the money men at Sky were like, why are we paying this for this guy? Is he that good? And someone has said, I don't think he's that good. And so they've said, we're going to pay 200 grand to see this guy lose on our channel to a guy who's going to go back onto another network with that rub. And I'm sure that's what they said. They said, so Fabio Wardley could beat Fraser Clark on our channel, go off to the zone, and give Eddie Hearn all of that kudos. And Eddie probably went to 258. Give me guarantees that Fraser Clark can win this fight. And they're like, well, we can't do that. So, so why are we bidding for it? Get him out. Let him fight someone he can beat. And I, those money men think differently, unfortunately. And that seems to be what it is. I don't know if 258 would have pulled him out. If they have, then you may as well just give him his contract back and say, we can't do anything with you. So this is just this crazy mystery of what's gone wrong. Because it would have been okay if they just pulled Fraser Clark out and said, well, yeah, he's out of this purse bid. And then they could have said, ah, he's injured. He won't be ready in time. But to have announced the Harry Armstrong fight before and for Fraser Clark to go on his sort of social media rant. But not only that, to then have Fraser Clark get roasted by Fabio Wardley, David Adelaide, and his other rivals. This is terrible. And then to have Hearn. Hearn had so much moral correctness, moral support. He was in the right to such an extent that he didn't even need to be angry. He could just be 
what we call Middle England enraged. Just use really nice words to say, what an absolute joke. What an absolute joke. So here you've got Fraser Clark, and now we know for certain no one believes in Fraser Clark at Sky. Now we know for absolute certain Fraser Clark is on his way out. When, you, when you've got an option between Fabio Wardley and Harry Armstrong, you're on your way out. And I think, I think my theory on what's happened is Sky have realized that roster that they've been accumulating is terrible. It's rotten from top to bottom. Um, if you look at it objectively, you've got an Olympic gold medalist, as I said before, fighting a PE teacher. Um, and even, even in beating a PE teacher and winning a British title, that's great. But the only three fights you can have now that will define your career and your weight class are Jessica McCaskill, Cecilia Brakus, and Sandy Ryan. That's it at welterweight. No one cares about anybody else. Then what you do, move up. You could move up and you could find Natasha Jonas. Yes, you could find Hannah Rankin. Absolutely. But... Inside of 10, 11 fights, Lauren Price's meaningful career is done. Savannah Marshall's meaningful career is done. You, they can kid us all they want and say that Franchon Cruz Desern is a big fight, but it's not. Because if that was a big fight, that would have been the fight before Clarissa Shields. They looked past it because the Clarissa Shields fight was the career-defining fight for Savannah Marshall. I have nothing against Savannah Marshall personally. I really, really don't. I just think once you've said you want to be Clarissa Shields or you don't, your career is kind of done. It's just done. Because I still stand on this. Savannah Marshall would beat everyone not called Clarissa Shields. I think Franchon Cruz can pose a problem, but Franchon doesn't throw enough shots to trouble Savannah Marshall, and she will ship a lot of punishment when she fights Savannah. But Franchon Cruz isn't a monster. So you've got those two. Not particularly impressive as far as I'm concerned. Um... And then you look at the division, the, the heavyweights. You've got, you've got Huey Fury and Joseph Parker. Remember, those two gave us maybe one of the worst heavyweight fights we've seen in a long time. So they're not blue-chip properties. And then what do you have a heavyweight to really anchor the division? Nick Campbell's gone. They, they've lost trust in Steve Robinson. It kind of leaves uh, Fraser and Jamie Shakiva. Jamie Shakiva's stepped up, to be fair, and he's now cutting people in half. We haven't seen Fraser Clark step up yet. Jamie's performing above benchmark as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know if Fraser Clark is. He seems to be miles below. And you look at that whole roster and it's a mess. It's a mess. And it looks like it's a mess because they don't really want to pay. It's almost like they've overpaid for Okoli and Boatsy. And so there's no more money left. So if you're Fraser Clark, you're like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. How have these new guys ended up getting the money that was meant for me? And the truth is, they're a little bit more proven than Fraser is. So I just don't think... I don't, let me just... You know, let, God, let me not say too much. So here's what I think. Here's my theory on this. Maybe Ben Shalom went to Sky and said, we need to get a Coley, we need to get Boatsy. And they've said, this isn't in budget. And maybe that was the assumption. This is not in budget. Right? And they've gone, right, this is not in budget. But you get them in, and you go, right, with, with Lawrence, 
going to have a warm-up fight, then the Bill and Smith fight, we can sell out the Vitality Stadium, cool. What say we can do a Dan Aziz, we can do an Anthony Yard, cool. We, we see where we get the money back on these guys. But you've still had to front up this money. So in your budget, this money's gone. So now you're looking at that Fraser Clark British title fight, like 200 grand, I would just spend some of that on a Coley. Can't spend it again. So Fraser's career is now stalled because there probably isn't the money in the sky budget for him to get the fights he deserves. And that's probably a red flag for not just him. But if I were Dan Aziz, I'd be worried. If I were Adam Azim, I'd start to get worried because they've, they've moved him on so fast. Are we now going to see a period where he starts to stall and stagnate because the money's not there for the kind of opponents he needs? Will this be the same for Caroline Dubois? Obviously, women's boxing, I think the price point's a little bit lower, so you can run that a little longer. But if there's no real budget at Sky because of what they've done here, then whew, it's awkward because they probably need the money from the Liam Smith-Eubank Jr. pay-per-view to come in. But you could have just done that fight for July 1st. It didn't need a purse bid. That could have been for July 1st, and I think Hearn would have supported that. So yeah, if I'm Dan Aziz, I'm worried. If I'm Chris Biddham-Smith, I'm worried. If I'm Isaac Chamberlain, I'm worried. If I am Zach Chelly, I'm a little worried. Do you know what I mean? If I'm all of these guys, I'm worried. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, she put Callum Simpson in there. I'm worried. If I'm Ben Whittaker, I'm worried. Because I'm like, is there money for me to get the development I need? Or are Sky looking to do this on the cheap? And get away with a few pay-per-views because obviously that Eubank Jr. versus Liam Smith one will bring in some money, but probably not the money they're expecting. And then so what do you do? Are we back to the bad old days of Sky where it looked like you had to self-finance your operation and that's why they had so many pay-per-views? If that's the case, then fair play. But I imagine you know, external climate, you know, higher interest rates, cost of capitals going up, this sort of stuff, you probably don't want to be carrying too much debt at any given moment. So I can understand also why you tighten the purse strings. But that's no comfort for Fraser Clark, a guy who wants to be tested and challenged, and he wants someone to invest in him, and he's not seeing that. Yeah? He's not seeing that, and he should be one of the anchor names on there. Now, instead, we're here waiting for Huey Fury to get it cracking. That's what we're waiting for, to see how good he is. But we're now looking at this guy roster going, this is weak. It's weak when compared to Frank and Eddie. And think about this. If, if you're one of those people who's been at Sky Sports for a decade, you're looking at this roster now going, I remember when we had Joshua, Dillian, Derek, Josh Warrington. Oh, we had everyone. Comfortably. We had everyone. And we were laughing at BT. And now everyone's feeling sorry for Sky, going, my goodness, how's this going to work? I think the first bit in and of itself wasn't really the worst thing because, I mean, people duck out of these for all sorts of reasons, right? It's the fact that it points to everything we've suspected. Number one, Sky are going to do this on the cheap. Two, that's, their, their roster's not good enough to sustain a significant business model. Um, they're probably having to self-finance. Ben Shalom may have all the good intentions in the world, but he's clearly not being backed the way he wants to be backed. But that's fine. That's why they hired him, right? Eddie Hearn wouldn't have tolerated any of this. Maybe that's why they had to get rid of Eddie. He would not have tolerated any of this. But Matchroom get a massive political win here. 
and they can say, guys, we're on Sky, Channel 429. We're on Sky. So what do you mean we're just an app? We're here. And look at what we do. I mean, they've made Sonny Edwards more relevant than their entire stable. So fair play to Matchroom. I, I, people say I'm anti-Matchroom, but this is the one time they, they've won by doing nothing other than showing up to the fight. And I really respect that. So we come back to this and we go, well, so what's next? Fraser got to fight Harry Armstrong, then who? Fight Jamie Shakiva? I don't think he wins that. And at no point has Sky even tried to resurrect Dave Allen. But don't rule out Dave Allen popping up somewhere in the mix. Don't rule out Dave Allen coming back when they say, we need someone who's going to move the social media needle. And they'll get Dave Allen and Dave will talk about being a dad and, you know, doubts about his career, was he going to retire. You know, he'll play on the heartstrings. He's good at that. And then they'll put Dave in with Fraser and we'll have a bit of a barnstormer there. And then people say Sky are back. But the truth is, the money won't be back. But the deeper thing here is, this all points to how much of a joke boxing is. You know, we, we, always, we always get brainwashed into this idea that these are really tough men always putting their lives on the line, their health on the line for your entertainment. Um, if, if an Olympic bronze medalist has to fight Harry Armstrong, I'm, I'm inclined to believe he's not putting his life or his health on the line. And he's unlikely to entertain in that fight, unfortunately. That's the harsh reality. Our sport is a joke at the moment. It's an embarrassment. It's, it's hard to point to non-boxing fans and say, this is why you should get behind boxing. Just look at the landscape, right? Dillian in the wilderness. Chisaurus essentially now Derek of Arabia. Joshua's having the biggest crisis of confidence we've seen play out in public like this since, since Rocky Three, if I'm being honest. And so you look at it and you go, well, who's there to get excited about? Eubank Jr. got knocked into, like, next year. So he's now not that, that killer. He's now kind of the same way he left James DeGale, right? Where you're like, ah, he's definitely seen better days. And you keep going down the weights and there's nothing there. We've got light heavyweights. Hold on. We've got light heavyweights, right? We've got Anthony Yard, Joshua Bartzi, Dan Aziz, Craig Richards. Um, we've still got a, a tranche of guys below that, like Yusha Campitas, Lyndon Arthurs, and so on and so forth. We've got all of those light heavyweights, and they don't fight each other. None of them fight each other. There's no appetite for them to fight each other. They're not even talking about Josh fighting Dan. How do you explain to someone that the sport's not a joke? That the sport's not for people to take dirty money and turn it into clean money. How do you explain that to non-boxing fans? You can't. You just can't explain it anymore. We're now the weirdos. You know, like, you'd watch people who are fans of bodybuilding and powerlifting, right? And they'd go to these shows, and you're like, why would you go and watch people strut around in thongs, flexing their muscles? It's a bit weird. Boxing's drifting into that category of just being weird. If Euro Trash was still around, they'd probably just have boxing fans on there. I'll just, yeah, it's, it's not a good situation. And it, it's pointing to Sky being a bit rudderless and maybe in some ways a bit clueless. Um, 
I'm still salty about the way Dan Aziz was treated on Saturday. Why would you use Dan Aziz as an enhancement talent? Why would you use Dan Aziz to essentially put Ben Whitaker over and to put Joshua Batsy over? At no point did they try and put Dan Aziz over. At no point did they say, Dan, could you put these two to sleep? And let Dan go, yeah, put anyone to sleep. So by the end of Saturday, we're left looking at Dan, and Dan's looking weak. And I don't mean as a man, I mean just as a, as a proposition, as a fighter. Well, we're like, wow, okay. They've just let these two guys run all over Dan. Which tells us Sky's energy is focused on Ben Whitaker for the future and Joshua Bassi for the present, not Dan Aziz. How does Dan feel about that? Dan should be fuming. Dan should be livid. If I was Dan Aziz, I'd be phoning Eddie going, why can't we do something? Yeah? I, just, I would. I'd be saying to Eddie, re-sign Lyndon. I'll come over. I'll fight Craig. He can fight Craig. I can fight him. Done. Three fight deals for all of us. We can keep it moving. Bring Yard onto this platform. Let him fight. We'll fight Yard. We'll fight Bivol. We'll fight all of these people. That's what I'd be doing now because I just don't believe Sky are going to back Dan. I think we'll be here a year from now and Dan still won't have had that, that either fringe world level or world title shot. I don't believe they'll get that for Dan. I don't, just don't think they have the money. I don't think they have the appetite. They don't have the clout for that. Like... And that's a real shame. That's a real shame because Dan's done nothing but entertain the fans. Like the, the way people feel about Dan Aziz, I'd love to say it's down to me and my years of banging the drum about Dan, but it's not. He's won the public over by essentially just battering everyone they put in front of him. But not only doing that, but also looking like a guy you could have a beer with. And that's always the scariest combination. Like the, the guy who... who who can talk, good over a beer, just a generally good guy, but when he gets in that ring, I mean, he's like a wrecking ball. But here's what I want to come out of this. Ben Shalom needs to come the fuck out, get in front of a microphone and explain to us how this whole thing fits together. He needs to explain, because we need to know where the accountability is. Is it Ben Shalom? If these things go wrong, do we call up Ben and go, Ben, what the hell is going on here? Why isn't Chris Congo fighting? Why isn't this person fighting? Well, if, if that's Ben's call, cool, cool, Ben's call, cool, he needs to come out and explain it. Like Eddie does. Eddie explains what's going on. Half the time we don't believe, but at least he tries. So Eddie explains, right? Ben needs to. He needs to say, look, at Sky, I propose fights. It goes through a committee, and they decide whether these cards happen or not. They may make some tweaks, but it is what it is. And you might just say, look, in the Fraser Clark situation, I wanted the British title fight. The budget just wasn't there at this point in time, but it will be there in October. Why not make the fight in October? We need that to come out pretty soon. Someone's got to explain to us how this all works, because right now, it's, it just... It looks like Sky have gone downhill since the Matchroom deal ended. That's what it looks like to me. Like They want to do boxing on a budget at a time when it looks like BT are doubling down and the zone are definitely double, doubling down on boxing. And that's not a good look. And I do. I feel for Fraser Clark because, like I said, I think Fraser takes that Fabio Wardley fight tomorrow. I think Fabio takes the Fraser Clark fight tomorrow. I think both will take the Adelaide fight. I think Adelaide will take their fights anytime. I don't believe these people are ducking. But someone's got to show faith in Fraser Clark and say, we back you. Here's some money. Go and win that title. Sad. 
sad that Fraser Clark's career goes from Olympic bronze medalist to literally a weekly humiliation via social media, the fact that this guy hasn't done a thing in the two years, well, nearly two years since he won the Olympic bronze medal. That's the sad part about it. Now, I don't blame Fraser for this. I don't blame him. But someone on the Sky side needs to come out and explain to us what the hell's going on because this wasn't what we were promised. And I want to like what Sky are doing, and I did initially because I, I could understand what they were doing. But they've made so many, so many ricks. They've messed up so many times that you're starting to wonder, like, how the hell have they never signed Yusuf Kamari? You have all those shows at Wembley, you don't sign Yusuf Kamari, the guy who would shift tickets in the area. You brought Matthew Tinker over to fight Dan Aziz. You went into all of that effort to build up Matthew Tinker. Didn't give him a shot. Didn't say, well, actually, I know we did, but, mate, can you just come back and do Shikan Pitters? Can you just fight Shikan Pitters, and then we can get you another fight? None of that. Just... Ah, oh, let me say less because wow. I think Sky, for me, I'm rapidly losing confidence in their ability to deliver the boxing we need. Is it a coincidence that this has started since Adam Smith has gone missing? No comment. But the sooner they bring Adam Smith back, the steadier that ship will be, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's probably a good note to tap out and say, listen, guys, have a great rest of the week. Um, enjoy the weather. It's a bit patchy. It was sunny a second ago. Now it's grey, but. Just enjoy that and hope you all had a good bank holiday. Take care. So since we recorded this episode, the world's moved on a bit, hasn't it? Um, all the runners and riders have come out and had their say on what's actually happened. Um, apart from Fraser, to be honest, who, after that tweet was rapidly deleted, um, I think he's just been brought to heel. But here's where I feel sorry for Ben Shalom. And I know people are going to give Ben a hard time, and at some point... In the next few hours, I've got to jump on Porky's show. So I know that he's, he's, he's going to have some ammunition. But here's where I'm going to stick up for Ben, because this feels like a coup, right? This is what this feels like. And this is what happens, and I think Ben's realizing, this is what happens when you have no, no allies in your own organization and you're surrounded by the enemy. So if you look at Ben Shalom, Ben Shalom gets parachuted into sky. Right? For whatever reason, whether you think he's good enough or not, park it. But he gets parachuted into Sky. And there are a lot of people who quite liked the old regime. There are a lot of people who quite liked the Eddie Hearn period because it gave them memorable times and they felt that they were on top. And they see Ben Shalom now and they go, This ain't this ain't what we're used to. This ain't Eddie. You know, this isn't a guy who's coming in and making us feel good about ourselves. This isn't a guy who who comes with all the chat and all the sales patter, all that sort of stuff that Eddie was good at. So Eddie's still got allies in Sky. And he's got allies everywhere because he's helped a lot of people progress in their lives and their careers, and he's given people memorable times. And I don't think it's inconceivable that Fraser Clark is not signed to Boxer, but in fact Fraser Clark is signed to Sky, but promoted by Boxer. Right? And so if that's the case... It's also not inconceivable that the purse bid thing was entirely engineered as a as maybe a warning to Ben that he's he's not as powerful as he thinks he is. 
because it looks like he's been completely out the loop on this. So if you look, 258 lobbied, and they lobbied to get to get Fraser that British title shot. And we were all like, well, why is it Fraser Clark? That doesn't make any sense. His record to date doesn't indicate he's at that level. Like, I think he, even Dave Allen has a more deserving case to fight for a British title than, than Fraser Clark. So you're in that position, right? So you get into that position. We've known that this is the, the path of travel for a long time. So at any point, Ben Shalom could have said, no, this ain't happening. So not only that, but Fraser Clark, under the guise of seeing his mate Joe Cordina, then goes into the lion's den and spends a considerable amount of time with Eddie, who's essentially the opposition. So at this point, as fans, we're like, this fight's happening. Perfect. Purse bids will come out. Matchroom will probably win it. He'll fight on Matchroom. Deal done. Fraser gets withdrawn. Now, no idea who, how, or why. But Fraser Clark gets withdrawn. And now you look at it, and Ben Shalom's got to come out and clean the mess out up on behalf of Sky. And Ben's got that look about him in the interview he did where he's looking, and he's almost like, this has nothing to do with me. Why am I out here trying to clean up this mess when it's nothing to do with me? He genuinely looked like someone who had been undermined a few times. He didn't look strong in the interview. He didn't look enthusiastic. He didn't look passionate about it. He looked like someone who was like, Oh man, I've got to deal with this. And so in contrast to that, you've got the other side. So Matchroom are there. I mean, they had Eddie ready to stick the boot in. And then Frank Smith comes and plays good cop. And he kind of cleans up. Like Eddie goes and kicks all the tables in the air, throws the chairs about. Toys fully out the pram with Eddie. Meh, 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 meh. You know, with that silly hat that he had on. Like this, The midlife crisis is making it hard to watch his interviews. But he comes out. And quite rightly, you know, he, he tells the public he's annoyed and he's wasted all that time and effort. Not much time and effort because I'm like, when did you go to Portman Road? Like, there's no IFL cameras when you went to Portman Road. You've been in Saudi for God knows how long and you've been in the States. So all of this stuff, all part of the charade. Frank Smith then comes on. Video looked weird, by the way. It looked like they'd, they'd turned the contrast all the way up on Frank Smith because his T-shirt didn't even look real. It looked like it was CGI'd onto him. But then Frank comes out and he plays, you know, um, what do you call it? Diligent Derek. Well, this is how we look at it and we can't really say too much. We don't want to upset anybody. And You know, he plays good cop to Eddie's bad cop. And you leave that and you think, okay, so based on all of this, it looks like there's been a degree of planning to all of this. Because... They've really stuck it to Ben Shalom. Didn't stick it to Sky. Stuck it to Ben Shalom. Really stuck it to him. Didn't stick it to Fraser. Stuck it to him. It feels like a coup. It feels like... Let's, let's go after Ben. Ben's the weak link here. If we can soften him up... Uh, maybe it's a ploy to get back into Sky. I don't know what the ploy is, but it feels like there's an attempt to undermine Ben here. And this was, I won't say the definitive shot, but this was the first shot that you really notice where you're like, mm, this doesn't make any sense. I also see it being a coup from another perspective. Fraser Clark is an odd fit at Sky now. You're, you're managed by 258. 258 really want to get all of their eggs in the matchroom basket because they're looking internationally now. They're looking at, we can get our people on shows in the States, in Australia, 
that's marketing for us, right? That's a footprint we can work with. Phrases with 258. 258, like I said, are closely in bed with Matchroom. Why would they want their guy on Sky? Long term. Short term, yeah. You go there for a fight. Let the Sky machine boost your, 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 your charge, we'll say. And then you go back to normal. So if I'm 258 and maybe I'm injecting too much boxing knowledge into who and what they are. But if I'm 258, I'm saying to Fraser Clark, the meaningful fights you're going to have in the next two years are Fabio Wardley, David Adelaide, Solly Dakers. I'm going to put guys like Dave Allen in there, Nathan Gorman. Four out of those five fights are easy to make on match room. Really easy. Um, not so easy on Sky and probably a bit more difficult on BT, apart from the Adelaide fight. So Matchroom is where you can really do these fights. Matchroom still have British boxing stars, so they still have the Warringtons and the Chisoras and the Dillians and the Joshuas. They still have that. And they've got the international footprint. So if you're Fraser Clark, you're like, I can get more meaningful fights on Matchroom than I can on Sky. That's, that, that's, that's got to be part of this calculus. So I think Fraser's, Fraser's now realizing Sky can't do for him what he needs. He's realizing it's a bit dysfunctional, and he's like, I can just go to Matchroom. That trip to Cardiff felt like a tapping up visit. It felt like it was like, well, look, come and see what we do. You already know what we do, but now come and see it as a pro. Come and sample it. This could be you. You could be on Cordina's undercard. You could headline one day with Cordina on your undercard. And it looks like that's a bit of a sales pitch. And part of me won't be surprised if Fraser does end up there. I don't know how many more fights he's got left on his Sky deal, but it wouldn't surprise me if they hold off the Fabio Wardley fight until he joins the platform. And I think that's what this has been about. It's been about, let's steal some of the real estate, because now that Fraser's got a bit of a buzz behind him, whether the public love him or hate him doesn't matter, right? He'll trend when, when things like this happen. So they know, right, here's a way we can strengthen our burgeoning heavyweight division while we weaken Sky. Makes perfect sense. Because everything, if you really look at this, if Ben Shalom was out the loop on all of this, he's not the guy that should be held accountable. It doesn't look like he asked for the, for the British title shot. It doesn't look like he he was part of any purse bidding process or a decision to do it or not to do it. It all looks a bit shambolic. And once again, someone's got to come out and say, Ben, what do you actually do with Sky? What's your relationship with Sky? What is your relationship with the fighters? Who decides who joins the Sky platform? Who negotiates the financials? What do you do? Because then we know what we can ask him and what we can't ask him. Because I feel that he's shielding a lot of people from accountability right now. That would be my opinion on it, because he doesn't want to be simply an event organizer. I'm sure he wants input in how these careers develop. But that's what I felt, having seen all the interviews so far. I feel, you know, the, the zone matchroom side have made a real concerted attempt to protect Fraser and to insist that Fraser wants the fight. Ben Shalom is of the, of the view that most fans are that he hasn't really done much to earn that. From a, you know, you haven't done 10 rounds, you haven't done 12, none of that. And so, Matchroom have counted back with, look, if you believe in your guy, put him in. And so that creates a beautiful story between them and 258, which is, Sky don't back you. And that's why Frank Smith is now leaking the story that Fraser's not happy with the opponents he's been given, and he's voiced his frustrations to them. All of this suggests that 
Ben is being undermined from within. And I don't know if he's got the power. I don't know if he's got the gravitas to start getting people removed. But if he has, I'd be doing that now. I'd be saying, who needs Fraser Clark? But I don't think he's got that kind of power. So it's unfortunate for him. And I guess it gives us intrigue in boxing to see what happens with this. But I don't believe that will be the next fight for, for Fabio. I think Fabio will fight someone else. I still think it will be Dave Allen. Um, be a good defense for his British title. And then he'll go in a different direction. They'll get Solly Dakers ready. Solly's more ready than Fraser is right now. And I think you know, Solly would probably beat Fraser if they fought now. So I guess overall, just I wanted to bring a little epilogue to to episode one sixty three and just just say look, you know, after everything we discussed, this now feels more like a a coup. Let's undermine Ben, let's destabilize Fraser, and hopefully we can get Fraser onto the zone, and we can do all of these fights and make our money. Three fight deal with him, and we can carry on with him, or he can go back to Sky. It's up to him. But I think that's what you might see happen over the next few months. Right, um, now the episode can officially finish. You, know, you guys take care. Yeah, have a great rest of the day.